Hi, I'm Kane, and I've always been a storyteller. Whether it be through my passion as a singer-songwriter or working as a journalist, I've always been drawn to crazy stories and telling them to my friends. But there are some stories that haven't been told quite enough. So grab a seat, a drink, and hunker down as we delve into the realms of those forgotten stories. Welcome to Breaking Bard. Stories untold, tales that we've spun Quite a few missing, where have they gone? Come fill your mind with ghosts of the past Now that we're breaking bad 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 we are back for a fourth episode of Breaking Bard. Today I have with me a recurring guest, I must admit, the loveliest Maeve Sally. Maeve, how are you? Hi, Kane. Thanks for having me back. You know, four times the charm. Exactly. Fuck three times the charm. It's four times the charm <laughs> with us. Um yeah, this is our fourth episode. Um, I'm really happy with how it's going. And uh, yeah, I ha- really had fun doing this one today. I can't wait for you to hear it, even though I did it in like three hours just before this. So I can't wait. Without further ado, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Maeve, who actually is leaving me alone drinking tonight because you're doing the uh, dry January, aren't you? Happy dry January. Yeah, I'm not sure when this will come up, but it is currently January. And I'm currently one week sober. Well, hey, congrats. <laughs> I love it. It's boring. That's, um, that's really good of you. I still am yet to ever attempt it. But, you know, you did it <laughs> the first time last year. I've done it two years. This is the third year running, actually. Ah, congrats. Yeah, it's... Um, I figure you don't do much in January anyway, so you might as well. But um, I know that sometimes it's a comfort. So. Yeah. Well, it's true that it's a bit weirder because now I just drink on my own. So it makes me feel bad for sure. I'm there for company. It's fine. (laughs) Well, speaking of liquids, um, (laughs) probably the worst transition. (laughs) But this episode combines two of my most favourite things, Maeve. Oh, Um, wow. The first one is a badass, fierce woman. Mm -hmm. The second are sinking boats. Oh no! (laughs) So, for you at home, um, well, I have a bit of a morbid fascination with boats sinking, castaways. um. Many a time Kane's been uh, transfixed on the video. He's even gone up and looked it on YouTube sometimes to see. um, I've seen all the documentaries. All the documentaries. um, I don't know why. It um, makes me feel so, like, it's horrible seeing things sink. It's really, like... Yeah, really scary. A bit claustrophobic. Claustrophobic, but also, I think, agoraphobic, because the idea of the ocean being so vast and there's nothing. You feel like a, a needle in, in, well, the ocean, really. 
Um, and I think that's why I've always been drawn to it because it's that it's kind of like people like murder stories or like being inside when there's a storm. There's this feeling of like adrenaline you get because it's so scary and you, it's the worst nightmare, but also knowing it's not happening to you mm. and being safe. And I grew up on an island. I've always been obsessed with the sea. Um, and so I think this is one of my... So I'm quite excited <laughs> about this one. But today I am going to tell you, Maeve about a very brave and some would say lucky or some would say unlucky woman called Violet Jessup or the Queen of Sinking Ships. Oh. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Wow. So let's get right into it. Um, Violet Constance Jessup was born on October the 2nd, 1887, near Bahia Blanca in Argentina. Okay, CC. Yep. She was the eldest daughter of Irish immigrants William and Catherine Jessup. She was the eldest of nine children, but sadly only six survived infancy. She spent a lot of her childhood caring for her younger siblings and became very ill herself as a child with what is presumed to be tuberculosis. Mm. Despite doctors' predictions the sickness would be fatal, though... Violet survived. First survival story. Um, <laughs> Could she survive? Amazing. Li- literally. She made it through. This is good. This is great. When Violet was 16 years old, her dad, William, passed away after complications during surgery. And this pushed her family to move to England, where she attended a Covent school and cared for her younger sibling while her mum was at sea working as an ocean liner stewardess. Oh. Yep. What year is this again? Remind me. So this is the late uh, 1890s now. So when she's 16, it's like the okay. turn of the so 20th like Titanic century. Titanic time, more or less? Mm, maybe. No, sorry, yeah. no, maybe you're there. Yeah, it's 1900s, so the earliest 20th century. So for those who know. Anyway, we'll get to that soon. A few years later, Violet left school when her mum became ill and it was clear to Violet that the family needed a breadwinner. So being the eldest child, she stepped in and following in her mother's footsteps, she applied to be a stewardess herself. Now, in true Breaking Bard tradition, I'm going to let you have a little peek at this picture of Violet. (laughs) Um, And as always, you lot at home can check out our Instagram, which is at Breaking Bard Podcast, where we'll put pictures of her and everything. So this is, and this is, by the way, in colour, but it was in black and white. Oh, they've colourfied it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Ooh. So I'm seeing uh, somebody who looks like they're in that kind of nurse's outfit. Um, You know, the classic uh, white apron, red cross on the chest, little hair up. Looking serious. And got a... Maybe a bit of a smirk, a glint of something in her eye. <laughs> glint of something. Um, would you not say she's rather attractive, Nespa? Yeah. Well, apparently she was so attractive that she had to dress down in order to have a chance at getting hired. Um, what a compliment for the other poor applicants, I'd say. Oh, no. Can you imagine them all sitting down, like sneering at her in the waiting room? Like? Why wouldn't they hire her? Well, um, for the time. Um, it was really unusual for young women to be stewardesses. They were usually more mature older women. So Violet wore older women's clothes and stayed clear from wearing makeup so that any fine lines on her face would show. Um, I mean, she's 21 at this time. Yeah, fine lines, come on. (laughs) Though I would say I've noticed some fine lines on my face since I've hit 27. I can see your crow's feet from here. Stop! (laughs) How dare you! Just kidding, they are very visible. Um... (laughs) 
<laughs> They're not. Thank you. So this dressing down scenario worked and she bagged herself a job as an ocean liner stewardess with the Royal Mail Line. Didn't know post offices would venture <laughs> into making ships. Did but... they sail on Sundays? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably not, actually. Okay, so it's, it's interesting. I never think about um, stewardesses to be on ships but I suppose because we don't do you know proper right. boat travel anymore mm-hmm. I guess you would on a cruise I'm not a cruise person exactly. um but of course I mean that's kind of where it's from I imagine before flights came about. exactly because there were no airplanes well I kind of this is great we're really getting into our rhythm because I uh, decided <laughs> if we were all unclear what a stewardess did especially at that time I found this archived advertisement from Mrs H Coleman Davidson's book called What Our Daughters Can Do For Themselves A Handbook of Women's Employments which was published in 1894 Wow and it reads quote One would imagine that there were not many women who would care to occupy the post of stewardess on board an ocean liner. Yet, when a vacancy occurs, there is never a lack of applicants. (laughs) (laughs) The salaries average about £3.60 a year with board and lodging, but the presence from grateful passengers augment this sum very considerably. As (laughs) As times go, this pay is not bad. All right, so schmoozing all the all the characters on the boat to get yourself a bit of tip money. Literally. <laughs> tip. But, oh, I said I tip. Said... <laughs> Sorry, I thought you said tip money and I was like, <laughs> I'm not aware. I saw you double take. I was, I was like, <laughs> wow, going straight in. Um, explicit content is in this episode. Um, but yeah, it says, I continue, but the work is hard and disagreeable. It demands untiring energy and a temper which nothing can ruffle. It shuts one off from home and from home comforts. Besides possessing some knowledge of nursing, a stewardess must be proof against seasickness, even in the worst weather, or worst weather, and she must at the same time be able to sympathise with those who, in this respect, are weaker than herself. This is a combination not often met with. Shade? Are they saying, like, not many people are weaker than women at sea, so you got to be strong, basically? Yeah, I guess. So, and then it finishes with, no, a stewardess is certainly not overpaid. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people with some air flying companies that we will not name. The stewardess union might have something to say about (laughs) that. (laughs) Literally. And I contacted them. Here's Liz from the stewardess. (laughs) Anyway, so Violet was one of these lucky few uh, to work in such conditions. And after working a few years with the Royal Mail Line, she got herself a job aboard White Star Line's RMS Olympic in 1911. The Olympic was the largest passenger ship at the time. And it would be on this ship that Violent would encounter her first ship disaster. Oh my god. First. Mm. With some 2,000 passengers on board, the ship left the docks of Southampton bound for New York. However, a British warship which was running parallel to it crashed into the Olympic side, tearing two (gasps) massive holes in the hull. You're kidding. No. It literally, they were apparently going side to side and then one turned and the other one hadn't been looking... And so basically sure didn't check his blind spot. Didn't check his blind spot and didn't have time to like do anything and whacked right into it. Oh the thing is, God. the hawk it was called, it had a big battering ram 
in the front because that was what it was supposed <gasps> to do. So it ripped two massive holes in the hulls. Um, holes in the hulls. <laughs> Say one. that ten times fast. Literally holes in the hulls. Hulls, no, hulls, hulls in the hulls. Hulls in the hulls. Yeah. Hulls in the hulls. So according to an article from the evening edition of The World in 1911, so it just happened, uh, it said, intense excitement attended the collision. Most of the passengers were on deck. Officers and stewards sprang to their collision drill positions and aided in allaying the panic. But despite panic and these massive holes, the boat returned safely to harbour and no one was harmed. Oh, so in her memoirs, she doesn't even mention this boat. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So then, during that time, a new sister ship was quickly becoming the talk of the town. It was said to be the ultimate unsinkable ship, oh, the titan of the sea. Did I foreshadow something? Yep. I'm talking about the original, the sadly one and only Titanic. Oh, the okay. one that I think began my morbid obsession with stories about. Actually, sinking. you could be right. You did love Titanic. I didn't loved you? it. It's one of my favourite films. Kate I Winslet, sang it. Celine Dion. Literally, I mean, it was my song when I was twelve. I recorded "My Heart Will Go On." You can find it on YouTube if you type "Kane My um, uh, Titanic," and uh, yeah, I was about twelve. It was cute, but yeah, it was. I mean, it's so devastating. It was. Yeah, it really is. I mean, oh, when you think about it. Well, anyway, let's get into the sad. So Violet was really enjoying her job, except for when the boat she was on was being crashed into by a warship, for example. But her friends kept being like, oh my God, you need to apply to transfer to the Titanic. Like, she's in all the headlines. She is the moment now, come on. She is the um, moment. <laughs> she is the moment. So at the age of 24, Violet caved into peer pressure and applied. But she was actually super happy continuing working with friends who'd also transferred. So it was kind of like a, come on, let's all go there. So it's like, you know, if you're an year destiny, you want to work for Emirates or something. Exactly. It's like proper. It's like, let's go. Mm. And she even admitted later in her memoirs that the interior deco and even the serving quarters were much improved. Ooh. Yeah, but they get a bit of luxury up Isn't in it? there. Now, sadly, as we all know, the unsinkable ship sank on her maiden voyage to New York on April 14th, 1912. So this is a year after her previous ship disaster. Wow. And she only sailed once? Literally. Titanic. Yeah, Titanic did. So when the Titanic crashed into a large iceberg at 11.40pm, Violet was resting in her cabin, but was immediately ordered up on deck to help stop widespread panic and to guide women and children onto lifeboats. After watching as the crew loaded the lifeboats, she was eventually put into lifeboat 16, but as the boat was being lowered, she said this, and this is a quote from her memoirs. Before I could do anything, a young mason hailed me and held up something, calling as he prepared to throw it. Look after this, will you? I reached out to receive somebody's forgotten baby in my arms. <gasps> I started to whimper as I pressed it to me, the hard cork surface of the life belt being anything but a comfort. Poor mite. The boat was now full. Groaning, the boat descended a fearful distance into the inky blackness beneath. <gasps> Can you imagine? Oh my God. And you just get given someone's random baby and you're like... Oh. You're on the side of... The biggest boat ever, ever. And then you are going into the darkness as it's sinking, being dropped, being mechanically, manually no. cranked down. Doesn't bear thinking about it, really, no. does it? She noticed, she mentioned lights that were uh, 
occasionally lighting up the faces of pe- of the people huddled in the lifeboat <gasps> and that was the portholes that they were going down the floors with the people still oh, in it oh god yeah oh that's gruesome no. really gruesome so the titanic finally sank two and a half hours after it hit the iceberg at 2 20 a.m resulting in the deaths of 1500 people making it one of the deadliest peacetime maritime disasters in history the few survivors, such as Violet, were forced to wait and watch the sinking for a torturous eight hours until the Carpathia arrived to rescue them. Wow. I mean, apparently... Eight they, hours? Just yeah, bobbing? Wow. Just bobbing alone, apparently, in the ice. Apparently, they could still see the, the, the lights from the Titanic, like, as it just sunk oh to the bottom. It's, it's actually crazy. The older I get, the more I care about it even more. Like, it's, it is one of the... Well, I guess it's a story that's told so much that you kind of then uh, forget about all the people that are actually on board and it just becomes a bit of a story of like, oh, yeah, the Titanic kind of thing. Um, yeah. But then when you kind of well, recontextualise what yeah. actually happened, it's pretty... I watched this documentary uh, with James Cameron when it was like 20 years after what really happened and they basically went back. And since James Cameron did his film, he dived down quite a few times and he said he realised with every time he dived down that he was... The Titanic is a grave. It's a cemetery. Yeah. Like, the people may like not be there bad. anymore, but he said, you know, you can still see shoes and you can still see things. And actually, thanks to the film engrossing people and, you know, generations after it happened, 100 years after almost, yeah, it's true. they it gave money, actually. And that's how James Cameron it created, like, this um, these funds to keep diving and find out more. So... Pretty pretty sad, but it's uh, important history. Well said. Thanks. <laughs> when they were finally aboard the Carpathia, Violet recalls how a woman rushed up to her and snatched the baby out of her frozen arms, running away crying without saying a word. I did wonder why, whoever its mother might be, she had not expressed one word of gratitude for her baby's life, she wrote. Yeah, it's true. But she must have been in shock. I think so. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, well, you're probably just focused on, like, giving my baby back, you know. You don't even think about who kind of might have gone out of their way to hold them or whatever. You're just like, holy shit, you're alive. Like, give me Imagine you're separated by your baby and then you find it again. It. (laughs) (laughs) Them. As they reached the deck, they were given glasses of neat brandy to drink to help with the shock and the cold. In a particularly sad passage from her memoirs, Violet writes, quote, Then started the saddest search it has ever been my lot to witness. Alas, so few were reunited. After arriving in New York City, she later returned to Southampton. So she had to bloody... Holy shit, and then you would have hustled your way back. Literally! No, no, I'm fine. Uh, but you'd <laughs> have much trauma, wouldn't you? You'd oh be like, gosh. actually, I'm just going to stay here. Like, imagine people move there and like 20 years later they still haven't been back because they well, can't get back on a boat. Most immigrants to America would hardly ever return to Europe because yeah. fuck that. Really long voyage. Bit of an effort, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? So, second disaster, she survives. Wow. Okay. Now, during the First World War in 1916... Violet was serving as a nurse and stewardess for the Red Cross on board the HMHS Britannic, 
the ti- yeah, which was the Titanic's younger sister ship that had been converted into a hospital ship. I'd like to mention that all three ships were owned by White Star Line, and the Britannic was actually designed to be the safest of all its ships. Okay, this doesn't bode well. What are no. they playing at, White Star Line? Literally. And this is in 1916. So, yeah. 11, 12, 16. Uh, this might be... I didn't know they had hospital ships. Well, it was because of the First World War. Well, of course. No, it makes sense now you say it. But it it, it. it's just... I haven't thought much about... what. I guess you don't see as much about what war at sea was like. No. Um when you learn about the Great Wars. And especially not that you'd then have a full ship that's just a hospital. Absolutely. Thing. No. So, yeah, ships are really her bag. Yeah, she's loving the ships. And what I love, which I didn't know, is that, like it said in the advertisement, um, they needed to obviously be, like, stewardesses and, like, help out, but they needed to have nursing, um, nursing experience. So they needed, you know, to have first aid and stuff, which was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, kind of there in a crisis, I guess, yeah. to be able to handle pressure. High pressure job, you know, don't you? Absolutely. Violet loved it. What a lovely name to Violet. I really it is love a that nice name. name. Really I, nice. I do like flower names. Well, I do love the colour purple too. <laughs> what? As a name? <laughs> the colour purple. <laughs> the colour upstairs. The colour purple. <laughs> no, like Violet purple, but that's oh, why I think colour I like violet. it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Imagine. On the morning of the 21st of November 1916, she was on board the Britannic in the Aegean Sea when suddenly a huge explosion was felt on board. It would be determined, though not proved, a hundred years later in a documentary called The Mystery of the Britannic that the ship had struck a deep sea mine or had been hit by a torpedo. Ouch. So basically for a hundred years after, they were still like, we didn't know what happened. Well, yeah, if it just blew up. Bowie. Wow. They started thinking... Unlike the Titanic, her sis, the Bright, the Britannic, <laughs> I nearly said the Britannic, the Britannic. That's uh, a bit hard, isn't it? Titanic, Britannic. The Titanic, Titanic the Britannic sank within 55 minutes. <gasps> Pretty quick. Ooh. Killing 30 of the 1,066 people on board. Okay. Oh, so less casualties. Much I mean, less casualties. sorry for the 30, but that's, no, no, no. I'm glad they, many got out. Yes. Wow. Yeah, well, and it, well, you're going to find out, but the escape was almost as dangerous as the explosion. So, while the Britannic was sinking, Violet and other passengers scrambled into lifeboats, thinking that the danger was over. But because the ship continued steaming ahead, they didn't stop it. She watched in horror as the ship's propellers started sucking lifeboats, debris, and people under the stern. Oh, no. That's the worst. You always know that the propellers are the worst. That's what gets you. Literally. Can you imagine? <gasps> no. The propellers going on and on and on and <sighs> being sucked in. She was still on the boat and she was. Uh, an officer came up to her and said, uh, ma'am, you're the last lady to get on boat. Get on boat four. She said she laughed nervously because everyone was watching on the side as other lifeboats were going in and oh getting sucked in, being like, oh, some were managing to drift away, but the boat was listing and sinking even more. So basically, she was she saw as she got into her boat, which was boat number four, that they started drifting towards it. And now I'm going to read you a piece of the memoir, which is pretty, uh, pretty intense, but bear with me. So, 
We saw Britannic's huge propellers churning and mincing up everything near them. Men, boats, and everything were just one ghastly whirl. I turned in consternation to the man beside me to find he too had slipped gently away. In another moment, I would be under those glittering, relentless blades, unless... I looked at the equally inexorable sea and for a fraction of a second hesitated, for I have always been afraid of water. No. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. No. It continues, drowning was one of my one irrational fears all my life. I had not been able to learn to swim because of the loss of part of one lung in those far off Argentine days. Oh, yeah, from a no pneumonia tuberculosis. Oh, I mean, that's a bit of a... Can you imagine? You can't swim and you spend your and life working on a at boat, sea. Literally. No. Violet. No, thank you. No, ma'am. Then suddenly I was no longer conscious of fear. I knew I must go into the sea and just jumped overboard, leaving everything that was solid. I kept my eyes tightly closed and held my breath instinctively, though it was the first time in my life I had been underwater. What? <laughs> wow. Wow. I felt myself rising and my head came into violent contact with something solid. Oh no. Something that prevented me from re reaching the surface. Then again, there was another terrific crash above me and something very solid struck the back of my head with a resounding blow. Ah, not so, the propeller. Well, I think if the propellers had hit no, her, no. she'd be absolutely dead. Yeah. So she likely hit her head on the bottom of the lifeboat. Yeah. Um, okay. Because she just closed her eyes, went under the turmoil, bam, bam. When she rose from the depths, she opened her eyes as another life jacket was floating by. She grabbed onto it to stay afloat. She then detailed, and this is gory, really gory. She then detailed how she saw a head being split open. Oh, my God. With its brains falling out. And, uh. Yeah. And that there were body parts and wreckage floating all around her, as well as the sight of the Britannic finally sinking. That is gruesome. Can oh, I've got shivers. That's absolutely disgusting. It's horrific. There's no, I mean, propellers. There's nothing <gasps> worse. Literally. And then in an excerpt, she details its thinking. Um, the white pride of the ocean's medical world dipped her head a little, then a little lower and still lower. All the deck machinery fell into the sea like a child's toys. Then she took a fearful plunge, her stern rearing hundreds of feet into the air until a final roar, she disappeared into the depths. Oh, my God. I mean, seeing that... Oh, and it's the one that's full of doctors and nurses yeah. and sick people. Yeah. Well, thankfully, they managed to get most away, but she being, you know, the brave, loyal stewardess was one of the last to leave. That put them in such danger. And I don't know why the boat kept going. I need to, um, like, see a representation of this. I don't understand mm. what... I, I understand that propellers sink you under, but I'm like, at what angle was it and how... Mm. You know? I think if they were going that way and you're dropping the lifeboats, then if you're going, you know... Oh, shit. Get so the boat get... goes past you the when boat, you... The boat is dropping you off and then the, stellar, the propellers not only catch you up because the boat keeps going yeah, on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you're the... too close to the boat to be able to get away in time. And the uh, the propellers, the current suck oh, you shit. under. So that's why she jumps because she jumps like... Tried to jump far away, away, but then got pulled under anyway. Mm. And then thankfully hit her head on the bottom of a lifeboat. Wow. Wow. I mean... So well, it's getting worse. I know. Bless her. <laughs> she 
she was rescued and had suffered a deep cut in her leg. And after she would complain for years of migraines, she went and got a um, the equivalent of an MRI, I'm sure, <laughs> of the time. She went and saw a doctor and she found out she'd fractured her skull. You're kidding. No, she'd actually fractured her skull, which... <sighs> oh, that's a big bump. A big bump. Ouch. Believe it or not, our queen has survived three of the biggest maritime disasters in modern history. Well, you think it's common practice? Like, was it common? For, <laughs> how come, you know, do boats go down all the time? Well, no. No, she's just crazy unlucky. Wow. Very unlucky. Or well, very lucky. That's what a lot of people say. She's well, either the I, luckiest or the unluckiest person. Very funny, because you said that at the beginning, didn't you? Yeah. And actually, it's very true. It's very true. Well, unlucky it happened and lucky to have survived. Yeah, which is it? The craziest thing is on board that last one, on board the um, Britannic, there were actually two other people who had been on the Titanic as well. Oh. So it wasn't too rare. I mean, at least amongst her, like, boat people, colleagues, her friends. Yeah, I suppose if you worked in boats and you worked for, what was it, White... White... White Star Line. If you worked in boats and you work for White Star Line, then I suppose, yeah, common practice for them to go down. <laughs> and do you think any of these Someone people got compensation? Ro- I mean, <laughs> compensation, right? Have you had an accident? <laughs> <laughs> you had an accident at and you work think you and want yeah. to claim. <laughs> I want to claim. <laughs> um, so that's absolutely crazy. After the war, Violet continued to work for the White Star Line. No. Leave them, Violet. Literally. (laughs) Before working on the Red Star Line, maybe an effort to change marketing a little bit. (laughs) White Star Line, never heard of her. Red, you mean, right? Uh, We're rebranding. We're red now. (laughs) Send out a PR email. Hi, guys. Like Tui. Um, (laughs) So then after working on the White Star Line, she worked on the Red Star Line and then back on the Royal Mail Line. She was briefly married in her late 30s and never had children, which was something pretty unheard of at the time. Yeah. Um, But instead devoted over 40 years of her life to a job that nearly got her killed three times in just five years. Yeah, that's... Yeah, you heard me. She retired after 42 years as a stewardess. She continued to work on boats all her life. Wow. 42 years? Yeah. Well, obviously she liked it. I mean... She must have. What a career. That's crazy. I know. So she eventually retired to a cute little cottage in Suffolk. And years later, she claimed to have received a phone call from somewhere asking if she had saved a baby on the night that Titanic sank. Stop. Yes, was Violet's reply. The voice then said, I was the baby. (gasps) No, don't do that to me! (laughs) Laughed and then hung up. She was told by her friend and autobiographer um, that it was most likely children in the village playing a cruel joke, but Violet was adamant she'd never told anyone that story. Oh, my God. And so it had to be the baby. Oh, my God, I've got shivers. Oh, the story has everything. Boat sinking, fierce women, reunions. Oh, my God. That is crazy. But how would the person whose baby it was know who saved the baby? Look, <laughs> this isn't, I mean, you know, they, uh, yeah, no, she she was adamant it was, but 
No, 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 but a more, not in a questioning way, just found that. Well, crazy. perhaps, you know, there were records of people on board, perhaps the mother, perhaps the mother told the story, you know, you were saved by a lady. I was so in shock that I forgot to say thanks uh, or ta, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, maybe it's not. If she was in the um, stewardess outfit and stuff, like. It's true. She could have found out who she was when she called them all around. I was the baby. Oh. <gasps> Shivers and chills. <sighs> It's like that, you've yeah. seen that video. Of course, you know the one I'm of course. Of. That's what I thought exactly when I saw it. It's human by Artuste, uh, Yann Artus Bertrand, his uh, documentary maker who did a lovely documentary called Human, where it tells this uh, one um, survivor of the Holocaust, a, like 80-year-old Jewish lady, tells the same story. I would recommend it on YouTube. It's, wow, shivers, shivers, shivers. Incredible. Really incredible. Um, then... At the age of 83. So she lived a bloody long time. She was born 83? in... 83? Yep. Not bad. She was born in 1887. And she sadly passed away of congestive heart failure in 1971. 71? I mean, that's a long time. I always find that crazy. Because I suppose, actually... Oh, God. This is going to make me feel a bit weird. But... <gasps> Uh, no, like we were born at the we're, turn of our yeah. <gasps> century or millennium, if you want to, you know, yeah, because I always feel a bit strange, not strange, but I guess anyone who's born in the late 1800s, to me, it's, you know, 1800. So it's like, well, that was ages ago. I mean, it was over 100 years ago now. But then, you know, those people lived up until the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's only a generation and a half, if yeah, you think about it. Yeah. Um yeah, it's always weird to kind of tie the two in because uh, I know that's... No, no. So if bad. we live until 20... Yeah, if we... Yeah, that's what I thought then if we live till... Well, yeah, she was born in 1887. ...2070 or whatever. And then it's like, I was born in 1990s. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. whoa, that feels like... It does, but because ago. there's the two O, the, then 70, I feel like it won't feel as much as if we went into... More so, it's a different millennium. True, true. We'll let our listeners decide. We'll do a poll. Uh, do you think it's <laughs> So that was the story of Miss Unthinkable or the Queen of Thinking Ships, one of the luckiest or unluckiest people I've ever heard of in any uh, case. As always, I'd like to thank my sources, which include a cool little explainer type video from Brightside on YouTube, um, Miss Things uh, Wikipedia page, some archived articles from back in the day, and also excerpt from her memoir, published, I believe posthumously, uh, called Titanic Survivor, The Memoirs of Violet Jessup, Stewardess. I love it. It's comma stewardess at the end. Yeah, that's who she was. That's who she was. Violet Jessup, stewardess. Literally. What a legend. What a legend. Thanks for telling me that story, Kane. Ah, I'm glad you liked it. I loved that one. That was crazy. I need to shout out Finn as well, because your brother, Finn Sally, who I make music with, because uh, he uh, put me onto that story, because of course he said, dude, you like sinking ships. He knows you too well. Have you heard of um, this lady called Violet Jessup? And there's not much on her online. And, you know, first of all, I didn't know about the RMS uh, Olympic or the Britannic. No, me neither. All in 1911, 1912, 1916. Yeah. Five years, three crashes. Gosh, what, what kind are they of, playing at? What are they playing at? And they were like, "We're gonna make her. We're gonna make her the <laughs> most, um, the safest, safest design." Um, well, I suppose how, how safe are you really when you're in a, just a 
lump of mines, metal sea mines, in the middle true. of the ocean. And it was uh, the First World oh, War. Oh, sea mines, sure. Yeah, a yeah, sea yeah. mine or a t- torpedo. Sea mine. A sea mine. <laughs> sea mine in the eye. Ew. <laughs> hey, Elton Bay people. I do have, oh, I do have, I printed off some pictures. Okay. Um, so, first of all, we have the a picture of the Olympic after it was hit by the Hawk, the British warship. Oh, yeah, with the, the big first, holes in the Yeah, side. the first disaster. So, on the left is the boat um, that you can see with the tear in the side. And then you can see the bow of the Hawk, which was so great that the ram had been smashed flat. Look at wow. that. Oh my gosh, there's a massive hole in it. In it. <gasps> it's huge. Oh, and that's the hawk that smashed into it. Yeah. Blimey. It literally had a battering ram on it and it was smashed flat. Oh, and then the last one at the end, sorry, the last picture, are the surviving stewardesses of the Titanic. Oh, wow. Look at them all. Look at them. 1912, that was. Oh, they're also dressed up. Yeah. Really dressed up. Yeah, exactly like kind of in that you see in the like, Titanic. Yeah, with the hat. Yeah, the Titanic or any role that Maggie Smith has ever played. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, I hope you at home enjoyed that episode too. And if you'd like to check any of our other episodes, they are on Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep that as an excerpt. God, get sued, I will. <laughs> Um, Imagine. I mean, you are bored now. It's true. It's true. (laughs) But no, if you would like to check out any of our other episodes, you can find them under Breaking Bard. Um, I have been Kane, and this is Maeve. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next episode. Thanks again, Kane. Thanks, darling. Bye. I'd also like to add that we now have a Gmail. Uh, It's breakingbardpod at gmail.com so if you have any ideas or stories you'd like us to cover then just pop us an email and we'll thank you bye thanks now that we're breaking bar now that we're breaking